If you will, turn in the Scriptures to 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. We'll look at verses 1 through 13. The title of the message will come from verse 12. It's, the title of the message is, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And before I get started, I just want to give my full affirmation, endorsement, and conviction from the message that was given to us this morning on drawing nigh to God. And I think, I hope, and I pray that this message will tie right in with the message this morning. Uh, but I was personally convicted, um, but also blessed by, as, as Brother Isaac put, put it, it was a, an uncomfortable message, but a needed message, I know, for myself and for all of us. Before I read the passage, I want to give a little background. Um, during this time, sadly, Israel was living in a state of rebellion towards God. They were doing what was right in their own eyes. They were worshiping false gods, the gods of Balaam and Ashtaroth, the gods of, of agriculture. Instead of looking to the one true God to, to ask Him to send rain for their crops, they would pray to this false god. Um, and also the, the goddess of fertility and, and sexual uh, immorality, the, the, the uh, Ashtaroth. Where it was just a time of, of idolatry, of immorality, and they had forgotten the one true God. They had forgotten Jehovah. And it was during this time that the Philistines soundly defeated them. They had went to battle with them, and not only did they beat the Israelites, they even stole the Ark of the Covenant away from the Israelites. And, and the Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of God's presence and power and faithfulness to the Israelites. And sadly, the Israelites, as you'll, you can tell, I won't turn there, but from 1 Samuel 4, the Israelites did not treat the Ark of God as it was to be treated. They treated it more as a magic relic or a good luck charm. Uh, they would go when the Philistines were attacking them. They said in 1 Samuel 4, hey, let's, let's get the Ark of God and bring it, uh, bring it uh, to us to, with us to battle, and then maybe we'll win. As one commentator said, they cared more about the Ark of God than they did about the God of the Ark. They treated it as a good luck charm, as a get-out-of-jail-free type of card, but we're forgetting the actual one true God. The ark had no effect on how they were living their lives. There was no, no holy living, no sanctification. And, but God, in His mercy, after the Philistines captured the ark, God set some judgments on them. And in order to escape more of God's judgments, the Philistines returned the ark. And so the ark was returned back to the Israelites where it stays at uh, the, the land of Kirjath-Jerim for 20 years while the Israelites were continuing to live in disrepute and neglecting the true worship of the Lord. For 20 years this was going on and this is the context. This is where we'll start reading 1 Samuel chapter 7 verses 1 through 13. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim, that the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. 
And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve Him only, and He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and serve the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged or governed the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together in Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that He will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I pray that you would get me out of the way. I pray that your word would be magnified. In Jesus' name, amen. So after the ark was taken, was captured, uh, you'll remember that Eli, who was the priest at the, at the time, he had the wicked sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and they were, just, they were men of disrepute. When Eli finds out that the ark was captured, you remember what happens. He is so distraught that he falls back from, I guess, the, the, wherever he was sitting and breaks his neck and dies. It was truly a time of, of just despair for Israel, yet God does not forget them. He sends Samuel, that prophet, that judge, to point them back into the direction that they are to be walking in. So I, I've broken this down in five different headings. I, it was helpful for me, so I hope it will be helpful for you. Verses 1 through 3, I've called it the call to repentance. The call to repentance. Uh, verses 4 through 6 is Israel's response. And then verses 7 through 9 is Samuel's intercession to the Lord on Israel's behalf. And then number 4, verses 10 through 11 is God's thundering response. And then lastly, verse 12, Samuel honors the Lord. Samuel honors the Lord. So, first off, verses 1 through 3, the call to repentance. It says, and it came, verse 2, and it came to pass, while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim, that the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. 
And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtoreth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve Him only, and He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. God has no interest in empty, vain prayers of those who have no true interest in following Him. So, if we are going to use what God gives us just as some sort of good luck charm, God has no interest in that. God has interest in us doing things His way. Proverbs 15.29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but He heareth the prayer of the righteous. Proverbs 28.9 says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. That, that is disgusting in the sight of the Lord. How would you like if your prayers, or my prayers, my empty, vain repetitions were disgusting in the sight of the Lord? Psalm 66.18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So, the call here that Samuel gives after they, they finally, after 20 years of the ark being brought back to Kirjath-Jerim, to the hand of the Israelites, for 20 years, finally, they lament after the Lord. That is, they wail after the Lord. They, they probably shed some tears over their sins, finally. They were in a state, they had truly been brought to, it seems like, brought to humility. We were told, we, uh, Brother Zach quoted it today from 2 Corinthians 7.10, that godly sorrow is the sorrow that truly worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. That is the type of sorrow that God hears and responds to. And so after they, they lament after the Lord, they show hints of true godly sorrow... This is what Samuel tells them to do. He says, if you remember the Lord, verse, I'm sorry, verse 3, he says, if you, if you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts. It's as if he's saying, if you're really serious, if you're really serious about uh, your sorrow over your sins and wanting to return to the Lord, if you're serious, this is what you must do. You know, God is all-knowing. He is omnipresent. He is all-wise. We cannot fool Him. He knows if we are truly sorrowful over sin because of the consequences or the guilty feeling, or because if we have truly, we are sorry over our sins because we have actually offended a holy God. And so what he says, what Samuel says is, if you are truly sorry, if you do return unto the Lord, this is what you must do. This is what you must do. Put away the strange gods and Ashtoreth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve Him only. What is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? What does Jesus say when He quotes from the Shema, De uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Then what is the, the, first, the first commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, here it is, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, with all thy strength. God demands all of us. He demands 
everything about us. There is no clinging to pet sins, no coddling little idols in our lives. There is no serving God and mammon. There is no serving uh, Israelites. There is no serving God and Ashtoreth or God and Balaam. Because the Israelites were still, in their mind, they were still uh, making sacrifices to Jehovah. But they still had their idols that they were also uh, um, praying to, looking to for when they needed rain for their crops. But God would not have that. God, brothers and sisters, is a jealous God. And rightfully so. We go all the way back to Moses in Exodus chapter 20. And the God spake all these words, saying, the Ten Commandments, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. God will not be shared. He is a jealous God. God And so what, what um, Samuel calls them to do in 1 Samuel 7, what he calls them to do after they're lamenting after the Lord, they're lamenting over their sins, put away your strange gods and prepare your hearts unto the Lord. That is, dedicate yourselves, make yourself ready, direct your heart to the Lord. What is repentance? Repentance is a change of direction. It is making a U-turn. Listen, I'm very familiar with U-turns because I'm very directionally challenged. There are times where I've had to make U-turns because I'm going the complete wrong way. I'm talking literally driving my CRV or whatever car I had at the the time. This is what must happen if we are serious about serving God and killing our sin and mortifying, putting to death our sin, is there must be a complete change of direction. That's where repentance is, and that's what he tells them to do. Prepare your hearts unto the Lord. Your heart. He talked about the heart today, the the, the seat of the emotions. Our inner man. Prepare your heart unto the Lord. And so, what about you and I today? What about you and I today? Obviously, this is written to the Israelites, but it applies to all of us today. Are there idols in our lives that are hindering our walk with the Lord? Are there idols in our life that are distracting us from where our focus should be? Does God have His rightful place as King over your heart today? Are there some sins that we have not lamented over as we ought? I think I said this before a few weeks ago, but sometimes... In my carnality, I don't take sin serious enough. I don't mourn over my sins as I ought. And there are times that we need to be afflicted and mourn over our sins. And that's what He's calling them to do. Does our sin bother us as it should? Have we prepared our hearts unto the Lord? Have we really dedicated our hearts to seek the Lord? Have we 
taken the spiritual shower of 1 John 1.9, confessing our sins to the Lord, and He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So, that's what Samuel calls them to do. It's a call to repentance. And then here's Israel's response. How do you like this for action? What did they do? He said, put away your, strong, your, your uh, strange gods, prepare your heart to seek the Lord. And what do they do? In verse 4, here's Israel's response. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. We have sinned against the Lord. What did they do? They got serious. Israel got serious during this time. Many commentators say about... um, drawing water and pouring it out before the Lord, this is a sense of of a sign of humility. They were humbling themselves and pouring their hearts out unto the Lord and exposing themselves, not holding anything back, not defending themselves. That is the sign of, that that is what, what is at play there when they're pouring their hearts unto the Lord. They fasted. They prayed. They confessed. They didn't hold anything Back, they acknowledged, as David acknowledged in Psalm 51, against thee and thee only have I sinned. They acknowledged their sin. And they prayed and they fasted. Well, then this is what happened. Samuel promised this would happen. He says, He says, and Samuel said, gather, uh, gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah, and drew water, and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day, and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel. And then, and this, this makes plenty of sense in verse 7. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. That is very understandable. Because for, if you read from chapter, I think 1 Samuel chapter 3 on, or 1 Samuel chapter 4 on, the, the Philistines have been beating up on the Israelites. They have been beating up on them. They have been just making light work of them. But if you'll notice, there's a difference this time. There's a difference when they see that the Philistines are gathering, they see that the Israelites are are gathered in this, this land of Mizpah, this town of Mizpah, and they're getting ready to do battle against them. There's a difference. Verse 8 of 1 Samuel 7, And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that He will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. Notice the difference between there and what I said happened in verse Samuel chapter 4, where they said, Go grab the ark of God and, and bring it with us, and maybe we'll have victory. No, instead of using this, using God, using what God gave them as a good luck charm, they actually, this time, actually cry out to the one true God, the God of the ark. There is a change there. There is a clear change there. 
You know, part of the purpose of prayer, brothers and sisters, is to show our utter dependence, our, our utter incompetence and God's competence. Our utter trust in God. Prayer, done rightly, is done in a posture of humility. It's done in a posture of worship. Complete dependence on God. And that's what's happening here. You know, Brother Zach mentioned this morning that he said he didn't necessarily want it to happen too much, but sometimes he, he has asked God to, to show me some sins of my past that I have not repented of. Show them to me, and, and it's good to be afflicted and mourned there in James chapter 4. And sometimes it is. It, it, may, it, do, it may do us some good to get to a low point so that we see just how much we must depend on God. As Paul beckons the Thessalonian saints, pray without ceasing. This is what the Israelites are begging Samuel to do on their behalf. Cease not to cry out to God for us. Praise God, the fervent prayer, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In verse 8, Verse 9, Samuel responds to Israel's cries. The Philistines are about to do battle against them. The children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that He will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb. Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel. And these may be the best, the best phrase in all of Scripture, and the Lord heard him. And that word heard actually has the idea of the Lord answered him. The Lord hears the cries of the broken, the humble, the contrite, the labored, the burdened, the heavy laden, those who are not defending ourselves and justifying ourselves. The Lord hears those cries. Aren't you thankful for that? He is a prayer hearing, prayer answering God. David says in Psalm 65, one, oh thou that hearest prayer. Psalm 50 verse 15, and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Psalm 99 verse 6, Moses and Aaron among his priests, and Samuel among them that call upon his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. Brothers and sisters, the Lord does not forget his promises to his chosen people, even when we don't deserve it and we never deserve it. But he is true to his promises, and he will. Bring His people to repentance. If we are a child of God, if we are chosen before time began, God will get His people. He will bring us to repentance. And it hurts. He talked about getting, cutting sin at the root. Just like you, if you're trying to pull a weed, you've got to get it out at the root. And that hurts, brothers and sisters. But listen to God's thundering response to Samuel's intercession, to Samuel's cry 
on behalf of Israel in verse 10. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offerings, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. Aren't you thankful to the one believer in Jesus Christ, the one that you cry to, is the sovereign creator of heaven and earth? He made the earth. He is the God of the sun and the moon and the stars and the thunder and the lightning and the earthquakes. It all belongs to Him and He controls it all. Turn with me to Psalm 147. I love this. He decided He could have used anything or He could have just spoke it or thought it and the uh, Philistines would have been destroyed and decimated. He decides to use His thunder. Many commentators think that maybe possibly an earthquake happened. But it all belongs to God. My point is God is sovereign over this. God is the hero of this story. This is His story, right? Psalm 147. This is um, just just a, a wonderful psalm of praise. A psalm declaring the sovereignty, the greatness of God. As our Creator, uh, he, uh, praise, praise you. I'll just read a few verses. Praise you, the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. Skip, He's the one that, that healeth the broken in heart. He bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Who covereth, he's the one who covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth the rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. Let's skip now over to verse. 16, He giveth snow like wool. He scattereth the hoarfrost like ashes. He casteth forth, I love this, He casteth forth His ice like morsels. Whose ice? It's God's ice. Whose thunder? It's God's thunder. He, who can stand before His cold? Whose cold is it? It is His cold. It belongs to God. He is sovereign over it. He sendeth out His word and melteth them. He causeth His wind to blow and the waters flow. So God's thundering response is He decides to use His creation to completely and soundly, thoroughly devastate the Philistine army. He sends them into a confused frenzy. Isn't God good to undeserving people? I love this. This defeat and this thundering, this God using this thundering response is a fulfillment of a prayer of the mother of Samuel. You remember the story of Hannah? She was married to Elkanah, who also had a wife named Penina. And Penina, Samuel, um, Hannah was not able to bear children. And it just it just tore her heart up. She longed for a son. And this had to be a, a horrible situation, but Penina, the other wife, sort of made fun of her and sort of gave her a hard time about not, a, not being able to bear children. Well, praise God. God heard Hannah's prayers, her longing for a son. And she promised Lord, if you give me a son, I will dedicate him to you. He will be dedicated to you. And that son was Samuel. Samuel who 
is now interceding on behalf of Israel to God. And I want you to notice Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 2. This is after she's been blessed with Samuel and she is just just full of praise for God. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Let's skip over to verse 10. Verse 9. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. Now notice verse 10. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall He thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth. He and He shall give strength unto His God and exalt the horn of His anointed. Out of heaven shall He thunder upon Him. And this is what God used to fulfill that prayer. The prayer of her her prayer and then used her son's prayer prayer, her sons crying out to God to send thunder and defeat the Philistines. Again, I know I already said this, but never forget, brothers and sisters in Christ, young people, older people alike. I know we have biblical heroes. We like to sing about only a boy named David and Abraham was a a great man of faith. But these men were sinners. Samuel was a sinner. My point is, just always remember, God is the hero. God is the point of everything. He is the end. He is the fulfillment. To Him be the glory. And so, what what does Samuel do now after God sends His thunder... Yes, a great thunder. He discomfits them. They were smitten before the Lord. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. And then here is Samuel's response to God's answering his cry. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. He did what we should all do. He immediately remembered the Lord. He acknowledged it was God who gave the deliverance. It was God who gave the victory. So he sets up these stones. It is a stone of memorial. And it is not only for those people for the next month or so, to, to, or year or two years or five years to remember, yes, praise God, man, He used that thunder and gave us victory over our enemies who had been uh, destroying us, this stone of remembrance, this stone of help is what it's called, meaning hitherto the Lord helped us, it was for generations and generations to come so that their children would tell their children who would tell their children, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Grandkids, sit down. Let me tell you how God gave victory this day to a hurting people. You know, there is a theme in the Old Testament. I think about Asaph and Psalm 77 and 
Um, another, another psalm I can't think of at the moment, but the, there's a theme of remembering God's past faithfulness. You know, very often in the Old Testament, they go back to remember how God used Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. I think of um, Noah. Kids, y'all know this is part of our, our catechism questions right now. What is the first thing Noah did when he got off the ark? Anybody know? He built an altar and worshipped God. That's the first thing he did. He acknowledged God. Moses, God would tell Moses in Exodus chapter 10. This is after, I believe, he sends the plague of, of uh, hail. And he's about to send the plague of locusts. In his sovereignty, this time in Exodus chapter 10, in God's sovereignty, he hardens Pharaoh's heart. Chapter 10, Exodus and the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I might show these my signs before him, and that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and of thy son's son what things I have wrought in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that ye may know how that I am the Lord." What about you, brothers and sisters in Christ? What Ebenezer stones have we set up before the Lord? Or is it a case where, and this is so easy to do, do we just, because there's constant needs in a sin-cursed earth, are we constantly asking God, asking God, pouring out our supplications, but is it possible that sometimes we forget to remember how God has blessed Do we forget to remember how God has helped? I want to challenge you this week, this week, to set up some proverbial Ebenezer stones to the Lord. I want you to spend some time to think about some different Ebenezer stones in your life. How God, just memorials, that how where God has helped you, where God has blessed you and been faithful to you and delivered you. It could be a, your wedding day. It could be the day you got a job. It could be a graduation. It could be something like that. It could be a, a, an encouraging doctor's appointment. You were able to eat for a week like Brother Will Branson. It could be just the blessing of a sunny day if you struggle with anxiety and depression. It could be the, the, the blessing of the changing of seasons. It could be... The day of, of, I think of Brother Gannon, victory over addiction. Maybe it's the day you got baptized, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. I think of one personal Ebenezer stone that I've tried to, to remember and thank God. It's, it's at the Olive Branch, Memphis, I guess the Mississippi-Memphis line, um, where, uh, I don't know, probably ten months ago or so now, I had a wreck and totaled my car. And God spared me. And so I said, Lord, every time I pass this going to work or from work, I'm just going to say thank you, Lord, for preserving me. Thank you, Lord. I remember nine, almost ten years ago, well, nine, nine years ago, being eight, uh, Savannah being eight months pregnant with our first and losing my job. And God used Grace Chapel 
There's one brother who I won't mention. I finally, who sent me $100 a month. I finally had to tell him, I have a job now. You don't have to send me that anymore. Thank you. God used this church to send gift cards, Kroger gift cards. I mean, all t- I, he used Brother Tony Martin, Brother Mark Jones, Brother Kiefer Beecham, three men to help me get my resume up to par, what it, to help it look good. That's an Ebenezer stone. I hope I'm not taking this too far, but I, I think that I think this is true. I think that in a sense, the Lord's Supper is, a, is an Ebenezer stone, a stone of memorial. After all, what, is, what does He say? This do in remembrance of Me. Remembering the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for sinners. Oh, brother and sister, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, are you going to forget? Surely let us not forget the cross. Let us not forget the nails, the crown of thorns. Let us not forget the agony of the passion of of having all the sins of all who God has and will bring to believe on Him, the agony of all those sins on Jesus Christ. He says, this do in remembrance of Me. He says, Paul tells the Corinthians to, in this way, show the Lord's death or proclaim the Lord's death till He come. I also think, in a sense, that just the regular gathering of the, of the assembly, the church on the Lord's day, is in a sense an Ebenezer stone. Why do we gather on the Lord's day, on the first day of the week? What are we doing? We are gathering in celebration that the tomb is empty. That Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Brothers and sisters, hither too hath the Lord helped us. May we not forget that. I will lift up mine eyes into the hills, the psalmist says, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. What does Isaac Watts say? Thus far the Lord has led me on. Thus far His power prolongs my days. And every evening shall make known some fresh memorials of His grace. We sang it tonight from Robert Robinson. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by Thy help I'm come. And I hope by Thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger. Wandering from the fold of God. Is that you maybe tonight? Is that you? Are you wandering from God? Or is it, is it possible that right now you just don't care about God? My call, brothers and sisters, is to turn to Jesus Christ, to come to Jesus Christ, to follow after Him, to do what Samuel said to do, to put away whatever idol may be 
in your life, in my life. No, we, we don't necessarily have uh, physical idols. Well, maybe we do sometimes. But, but it could be anything that is keeping you from coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Put it away. Whatever that Balaam or Ashtroth is, put it away and prepare your heart to serve the Lord only. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, He to rescue me from danger, interposed His precious blood. I'll repeat verse 12. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin, and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Let's pray. Lord, We are sinners. We are weak. We do struggle with idols at times in our lives. Lord, may we not coddle those. May we put away those, whatever those strange gods could be in our lives. Lord, may we not use church or even our, our God's Word, or even use prayer in some sort of way as, a, as just a, a good luck, get out of hell free card. But Lord, bless us to truly come to You as broken and humble. And Lord, You've promised that You will hear our prayers. And Lord, bless us not to forget You. Thank You, Lord, for Your help. Thank You for Your grace, Your faithfulness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 A wonderful unifying theme uh, to, the, to the day's uh, services. Um, we began this morning and this evening, this morning in James 4, with people frustrated because the Lord's not hearing their prayers. Um, um, their heart is not right. Began in First Samuel chapter seven, right? Chapter seven, with um, people frustrated because their their way is not good and they're lamenting. So the, where it began was um, tonight was um, the prayers of those who are not repenting are disgusting to God. That really stood out to me. Um, like I just don't even want to hear that. That's just horrific to me. Um, but as we move down through the message, move down through James 4, drawing now to God, and then drawing now to God with a full heart of true repentance, throwing away the things that, um, that are standing between us and God, we move to the end, and you know what we have? The, the same people who are praying and their prayers are disgusting to God, God is now shaking up His own creation that He said was good and very good on their behalf. Isn't that amazing? If, if it's really true, and who knows, if it's really true that the thunder that's described in the first time of the seven is actually an earthquake, then it's possible that the stone that Samuel raises up as Ebenezer is a stone that was broken off in the earthquake. Isn't that something? God thundering on behalf of those who are coming in repentance and, and sincerity to Him in need of mercy. That's powerful. Our prayers are disgusting, and the same disgusting person is praying, but praying with a sincere heart. And God is shaking his own creation that he said was good and very good on behalf of those who are in need.
Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. And praise the Lord for the last part on the Ebenezer's May we. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. The Lord's Day, certainly communion service, are incredibly important Ebenezer's in our life.